Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another podcast episode of Mysterious Headlines. This is the podcast where we discuss missing person cases and cases where victims still deserve justice. Today, we're going to be discussing a missing person case that is of Michelle Venek out of the state of Colorado. She went missing September 24th of 2005. Michelle was 34 years old, a wife to her husband Ben, and a mother of four. She was active, ran marathons, and worked out regularly. And she decided that she wanted to hike a 14er mountain. 14ers are mountain peaks here in the state of Colorado that are 14,000 feet or more above sea level. For many people, it is a life goal to hike all 58 of these peaks. Now, it is not for the faint of heart. You have to really plan ahead if you're going to hike one of these 14ers. You have to figure out when you're going to arrive at the trailhead, what you need to bring with you, which route you're going to take to ascend and descend the mountain. There is a lot of planning that goes into hiking one of these 14ers. Now, Michelle had never hiked one before, but she decided she wanted to do so. And she had a friend's husband who had climbed 38 of these 58 mountains. So he was versed in hiking 14ers, and he agreed to hike her first 14er with her. And so on September 24th, they made plans to hike Mount O'Holy Cross 14er. Mount O'Holy Cross is 14,007 feet in elevation above sea level. There are two snow-filled cracks that form a cross at the top of the summit on the mountain. Now, there are two different trails that you can take on this mountain. There is the Half Moon Trail, which is the standard route. It's also known as the Northeast Ridge. This is the easiest trail. Then there is the Fall Creek Trail, which heads straight south and then climbs up the Notch Mountain Trail, which starts near Treeline and cuts back and forth on the way to a stone shelter at about 13,000 feet. From there, climbers can follow a looping route around the south side of the mountain and climb over three 14ers in the process before reaching the summit. So this is much more difficult route. This is known as the halo route. In general, Mount O'Holy Cross is not an easy mountain, but the halo route is even more difficult than the standard route. Both of these routes begin at the trailheads in the Half Moon Campground. So both Michelle and her hiking partner arrived on Saturday morning at around 6.30 in the morning. They pulled into the campground parking lot in Michelle's silver Toyota Sequoia. There was instantly confusion because her hiking partner um, said that they could only find one trailhead. As I stated, there are two trailheads, but they could only find the one trailhead. There was construction going on, And there were some piles of dirt that were in front of the trailhead that goes up the Northeast Ridge, the standard route. At this time, Michelle was already complaining of a headache, which is a possible sign of altitude sickness. She had some Exeterin, so 
she looked for that. And they headed out on the only trail that they could find. This was the trail leading to the Hallow Route, the more difficult route. When they reached the cutoff for the Notch Mountain Trail, the man, um, her hiking partner, had Michelle pull out a map. This was when they both realized they had gotten on the wrong trail, that they were on the Hallow Route Trail. But they decided that they didn't have time to turn around and still make it, still make it to the summit. Because here in Colorado, weather will roll in in the afternoon, and so you have to plan ahead and be off of the mountain before any weather is to roll in. And so they decided to push on and climb this route. They climbed the switchbacks up the slope until they reached a small stone hut built in the 1930s. And they stood in the shelter for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then they decided to get moving again. Skirting a high ridge as they edged closer to the summit, the wind began to die down and they could look at the north and see climbers coming up the standard route, the one that they had planned to take. At this point, they had been on the trail for more than four and a half hours. And her hiking partner began to worry that they were going to be much later getting home than they had planned. And Michelle was already falling 30 to 60 feet behind her hiking partner. On the final stretch to the summit, there may be a few, as few as 400 yards from the top. Michelle, she's exhausted, possibly sick from the altitude. She says she doesn't have any more water and she just can't go any higher. So her hiking partner told investigators that he offered to take her pack and she said no. And then they suggested they turn around. And she said, no, you go to the summit. So her hiking partner points across a boulder field and tells her to head that way toward the trail and down and that he would quickly go to the top, then catch up with her and they would continue descending the mountain together. She had a couple of energy bars left. He gave her a vanilla bean flavored tube of energy gel and he headed up to the summit. He reached the summit at about 1.42 p.m. He called his wife and said they were going to be late because they had gotten onto the wrong trail. He snapped a picture of another couple who had reached the top, and then he headed his way down. But he started growing alarmed when he didn't see her on the trail down the northeast ridge. He dropped his pack and he hopped back up to the top, and he called out her name, and other hikers heard him, he asked anybody and everybody he encountered on the trail if they had seen him, but nobody had. So he found cell phone service and called 911. Over the next week, the nighttime temperatures fell into the low 20s and a foot or more of snow fell. Again, this is the end of September. After a final desperate day, when 336 volunteers came out to help, they found not a single indication of what happened to Michelle. So the Eagle County Sheriff's Office called off the search. And her family said she now walks with God. By then, the Sheriff's Office had interrogated her hiking partner. They asked him, how could you take a novice up that mountain without more survival gear? And they asked if he was involved in her disappearance and if he harmed her. 
and he said he would not answer any more questions without an attorney present. They also questioned her husband. Was there something going on romantically between um, his wife and her hiking partner? And he said there was nothing. They asked her husband, could the hiking her hiking partner have harmed her? And he said, no, this man does not have a malicious bone in his body. They asked her husband if he had anything to do with his wife's disappearance, and he said, hell no. They didn't have any solid evidence at this time, and so they closed the case. Now, the sheriff's office had said that they'd always be open to finding information, but they were closing the case for now because they had nowhere to go. Now, one of the searchers, Scott, had said, whenever we had a mission on Mount of Holy Cross, we're reminded, keep your eyes peeled, you know. She was wearing black spandex pants, blue windbreaker jacket, and if, they're up, if you're up there, just keep your eyes open. The mission has never gone away. So this searcher, he took an interest in her disappearance when it happened, and he ended up joining the Vail Mountain Rescue in 2010. And he said, it's never been far out of my mind. How could somebody possibly just disappear into thin air? For so many years, there was nothing solid to help unravel the mystery. In 2009, a climber found a bone on rocks not far from the hollow root, but it turned out to just be a deer's jawbone. In 2016, an investigator asked her husband, Ben, to provide his wife's dental record for inclusion in the National Database of Missing Persons. In 2019, Ben and Michelle's four children provided DNA samples so that if her remains were ever found, they could be identified. But until that, there was really no information. Until a man and his son bushwhacked into an area north of summit of Mount Holy Cross, below a rocky slope known as Angelica Kulor, and came upon a boot in late of August 2020. The boot had obviously been there a long time. It was surrounded by grass, but none was growing beneath it. The leather upper was almost completely gone, ravaged by the elements of maybe animals. The sole was intact, and the man reported the discovery to Vail Mountain Rescue. We have a clue. This was the, um, the searcher Scott we were hearing from before. We have a clue. I mean, it's the first clue in 18 years. Later that fall, searchers headed into the Holy Cross wilderness to try and find the boot. They had no luck the first time, but then the man and his son agreed to lead the three searchers there, back up the mountain, and show him the spot. It was right where they had first found it. After photographing the area and bagging the boot, searchers quickly searched the area, hoping to find something more. They found nothing before heading down the mountain with the boot, which they turned over to Eagle County Sheriff's Office. And the conclusion was that the boot belonged to Michelle. So then on August 25th, 2022, the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office sent in a helicopter and other counties sent their cadaver dogs and handlers. And they went searching to see if they could find anything else. They said they had a short window for the helicopter to operate with the weather we had two hours to do a hasty search around that area where they found the boot. We had the dogs all through the campsite and then up in Angelica Coulor 
They had hopes going in that they might find something, something as small as a tooth, but they did not sadly find anything. But Scott, the one searcher, is confident now that he knows what happened. For 18 years, the narrative has been she got lost in the western boulder, boulder field. That's the area where almost all those who lose their way near the summit end up. And it's the area where searchers concentra concentrated their efforts in 2005. And now, she did exactly what her hiking partner told her to do. Instead of heading west, he's now certain she went north, toward the route that she and her hiking partner had intended to take up the mountain. Scott said he believes, however, that she mistook runnels, trail-like paths down the mountainside carved by rockfall and snowmelts, for the standard route. So when he thinks that she saw this runnel, which is, again, it's a path carved by rockfall and snowmelt, but it's not a trail for hikers, and he believes she mistook that as the trail. What she didn't know, she was on the wrong trail and went down it into an area that nobody expected her to go. Nobody. Nobody intentionally goes down the Angelica Couleur. He said the established trail was about 100 feet to her left. After studying the timeline, he believes her hiking partner missed connecting with her by about 10 minutes. And Scott says he studied these maps marked by searchers in 2005, and he noted that the area where the boot was found wasn't searched until the eighth and final day. By then, he said, there was a foot and a half to two feet of snow, so everything was covered. So they wouldn't have been able to really thoroughly search that area. On the map of the area where the boot was found, searchers wrote impassable in several places, a notion to the amount of snow where they had tried to search. Scott said he recently met with Michelle's family, and he asked one of her daughters, or sorry, one of her daughters asked him what he thinks happened to her mom. And he said she wasn't dressed for the weather. Spandex pants, windbreaker jacket, out of food, out of water, having some altitude sickness. No means of being able to start a fire. We know that the temperature that night got down into the low 20s on the mountain. And I think she said... She was going to lay down and went to sleep, and she didn't wake back up, which is a super sad reality. And to his point, she was not prepared for the elements. Anybody that hikes a 14er knows you have to have multiple layers of clothes because you'll go from being cold at the start of the morning to getting a little bit warmer and needing to strip clothes, and then if weather comes in, potentially put layers back on. You need to have ample amount of food, and it is always a good idea when you are hiking like that to have a way to make fire and be able to survive for a period of time if needed. And she didn't have any of that. And Scott believes that it was simply a true accident. And Scott said, I think this is a matter of a mistake never been on the mountain before? Should they have split up? No, of course not. But we've all done it. Scott says, 
If you talk to my wife, we've hiked all the 14ers there are four different times. I have got the fever, and you know, my wife was having trouble keeping up. Each time, he told her the same thing. Honey, I'm going to go and tag the summit, and I'll come back and meet you. And you know, we got away with it. But this is one of those times when I wish they had stuck together. And I truly think that is the lesson in this story, is sticking together with your hiking partner. When you are hiking a mountain like that, a trail like that, it is so important to stick together. And as Scott said, it's so easy to just say, I'll pop up, I'll tag the summit, and then I'll meet you back down. But it is so easy for something like this to happen. So easy and so tragic for something like this to happen. And I think it's a reminder for us all to, for all of us that are avid hikers, or maybe you're not an avid hiker listening to this, but you know some avid hikers in your life. You have family members, you have friends, neighbors that are avid hikers. This is a good reminder for everybody to never separate when you are hiking a mountain like this. And I actually have a similar personal harrowing story about this. My dad and his brother and his sister-in-law all decided to go hike one of these 14er mountains here in the state of Colorado. And similarly, they got close to the summit and my aunt decided that she could not go on. She decided she didn't have enough energy. And so my dad and his brother said, you wait here by this tree, we'll pop up, we will tag the summit, and then we'll come back, we'll meet you, we will descend the mountain together. And so they raced up to the top of the mountain. When they got to the summit, weather rolled in. There was thunder, there was lightning, there was rain. And so they quickly went to descend the mountain. And as they were descending the mountain, my dad's sister-in-law was not by the tree that she had said she would wait at. She was not there. And they decide that they think she probably decided to descend the mountain due to the weather and get down to the bottom of the mountain where it's safer. And so they believe that they will find her at the base of the mountain. They descend the mountain and she is nowhere to be found. They can't find her in the parking lot. They don't know where she is. And that is when they begin panicking. Because they don't know where she is or what has happened to her. So they begin asking everybody in the parking lot if they have seen somebody resembling her. Nobody says they have seen her. And so then that is when they alert authorities and let them know that they don't know where she is at. Now, this story luckily has a much better ending than Michelle's story because about an hour and a half later, she did make it off the mountain. She had taken a wrong turn when she decided to descend the mountain in the weather 
she took a wrong turn and ended up on a longer loop. But she did eventually make it down the mountain and she was okay. But it is another reminder of how quickly these things can happen and how it is never a good idea for you to split up with your hiking partner or hiking group. Now, I do think it is very odd that they went 18 years not having a single piece of evidence on Michelle. They hadn't found a single piece of evidence. Now, the initial searches they did, there was all that snow, up to two feet of snow that rolled in. But even in the years past, the fact that nobody has stumbled upon anything until just last year is wild to me. But it is so crazy that these hikers just happened to stumble upon it last year, stumble upon this boot that they thought maybe looked interesting and thought maybe it could be related, and they snapped a picture and sent it to the search and rescue team. And then it went off to the sheriff's office, and they determined it was Michelle's boot. So the question remains, where is her other things? Where is her other boot? Where is her clothes? She had shirts and pants, and her backpack, and where is her body? That is the biggest question. Where is her body? And I'm hoping that they will be able to find it and determine where her body is so that her family can finally have some closure on this whole story. But truly, truly tragic. And I do believe Scott and what he said. I do think it was truly an accident and they split up as we already talked about, and she just took the wrong turn, probably going down the mountain. And like he said, she probably, it started getting kind of cold, and she decided she would maybe lay down to rest. Again, she was also dealing with the altitude sickness and didn't have a lot of energy. So she probably thought, I need to sit down for a minute. I need to rest and Then the temperature began to drop that night, and she probably died due to the temperatures. Very, very, very sad story, but again, a lesson for all hikers out there to never separate from your hiking partner or your group. As always, thank you for listening to this podcast episode. You can hit the subscribe button wherever it is you are listening to this podcast episode so you never miss a new podcast upload. And you can also give me a review on whatever platform you're listening on. This helps me out a ton and increases my listenership. So please let me know what you think. Thank you all for listening and we'll talk again soon.